Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome into episode 56 of the Canucks Speak Easy podcast. We are back. We are alive, Doug. We're, we're back, and uh, we're going to finally talk some hockey. Doug, how you doing? I'm doing good, Pete. Yeah, I think the last episode we dropped was October 30th, so it's been well over a month, nearly a month and a half. Uh, yeah, been keeping busy, trying to stay sane, which I'm sure all of us have. Uh, during the last, uh, you know, month and a half here, it's a, uh, you know, no Canucks talk really that, or at least Canucks talk of significance. Um, and just with the numbers getting worse and some restrictions getting, you know, tighter and tighter, masks being mandatory in indoor areas. It's, uh, you know, it's it, it's been an interesting month and a half. Yeah, it's it's been trying for sure, man. And I mean, uh, the reason we kind of took a break there is just there really wasn't anything to talk about and and I gotta admit like hockey felt pretty far from my mind there I was pretty uh, into the NFL still am I've been watching a lot of soccer as well Uh, it feels weird to think that the NBA starts in six days now I guess five days by the time we drop this Um, but hockey just felt really far now you're kind of getting the buzz of the juniors which which is a little bit of normalcy to, to tie back in with with Christmas and everything else is kind of you know a bit of a stabilizing factor even though it starts on Christmas day this year but it was just kind of hard to talk about nothing. I mean, uh, we're, we didn't want to do a show about nothing. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's already been done before, and I don't think anyone could do it again and capture that uh, lightning in a bottle like Seinfeld did. <laughs> uh, but that being said, uh, you know, we did our list back when COVID first hit, you know, top 10 favorite athletes, but, you know, we're not going to stretch out episodes for that. At least I didn't want to, and I know you didn't want to either. All the power to people that want to do it and you're on top of, you know, all the content of the prospects overseas and stuff like that. I'm not really dialed in. Like, I obviously try to keep tabs on some of the prospects overseas. I know Linus Carlson actually has been lighting it up uh, in the Osvenskin League. He was the kid we traded uh, Jonathan Dolan for. Uh, so that's nice to see. I mean, I don't know if he'll ever be an NHLer. But outside of that, you know, yeah, you try to watch Pod Colson and he's not playing any games. He's either being benched or playing, you know, five minutes a game. That's frustrating. Not a lot to talk about there. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty dry, man. And and free agency is just completely dried up, obviously, as uh, everyone waits to see what happens with, with the rules. Is there an extra taxi squad? Uh, what's happening with the cap? Uh, I think you're going to see here in the next little while, though, you are going to see an acceleration of movement. And that's uh, that's kind of when we decided, hey, you know what? This is kind of like our preseason, too. Now we got to break out the mics, remember how to record everything, remember who plays for the team, remember what we're losing our minds over on Twitter today, and just kind of kind of get the ball rolling again. So with that, we'll drop a couple of our plugs here. The podcast is on the Twitter machine. It's at Canuck Speak. I'm at Pete underscore Gas. Give me a follow at Doug Venn. And you can always follow our Spotify outro playlist. A little slow to the gun there. Uh, you know, forgot <laughs> forgot about the plug there. But yes, uh, Pete and I have uh, an ever-growing Spotify outro playlist where every outro segment of an episode, we add a track and it gets uploaded to the Spotify playlist. And uh, yeah, there's some really funky grooves on there and there'll be another one added at the end of this episode. That was a funny little bounce around we had, I think it was yesterday, Doug, when I was playing. I made uh, that uh, hip-hop playlist that you may have seen on our account for my nephew. For uh, He turns 13. He lives in Scotland. Just kind of getting really into music, and he's impressionable. So my sister's like, you know, if you gave him like an old, some old-school hip-hop stuff, he'd probably be 
really into it. So I got him a copy of Nation of Millions, uh, which is like for me, it still is like a huge album. But uh, you you bumped me off our Spotify account right in the middle of the Humpty Dance. And you know me in the Humpty Dance. I was just just letting it all fly, rapping along, and then you buzz killed me. Well, anyone anyone who's uh, known Pete for a hot minute, you got a couple of beers in him and the Humpty Dance by Digital Underground uh, drops. He can rap the entire thing verbatim. It's actually very <laughs> impressive. Very it's, impressive. It's, Maybe the next time we can actually all go to a Canucks game in person, uh, yeah, we can uh, ask the DJ to drop the Humpty Dance and uh, see Pete start spitting some bars. Oh, that that'll that'll be fun, man. I I can't I can't wait for that. Give me some hip hop karaoke. Let's uh let's talk hockey though here. Let's talk a little bit about the Canucks, and uh, we'll we'll just kind of start with the team in general. There's uh how the team looks right now. It looks like we're gonna have an all Canadian division, um, and just kind of the season in general, and and what we're kind of looking at right now. So I'm gonna start, Doug, just kind of posing this question to you is what do you think about the Canucks team as it is right now? If there's no other moves, this is the, the players that we got, the rosters that we have, the, the prospects that we have. How do you think the roster is going to shape up and just how do you feel about the team going into this year? I like the forward depth. I think, uh, you know, we signed Tyler G to, I think, a, a one-year deal. Uh, I believe it's a two-way contract, so he's probably going to end up in Utica, but still, uh, he could be part of the taxi squad as well. Uh, you got to imagine, you know, a player like Cole Lind is kind of in a situation where you probably want him to play. So do you tell him to go to Utica instead of kind of being, you know, as a reserve for the Canucks if there is an injury? The defense does worry me a little bit. I do want to see a young player in the top six, a guy like Ulevi, Jake, or sorry, Jack Rathbone, Brogan Rafferty. I just don't know if you can have three of those guys. I know Jalen Chatfield's name's also been bantied around a bit just because he's a guy who theoretically could kind of slot into that Chris Tanev role. I don't think he's as efficient of a defender as Chris Tanev is. But, you know, in theory, he could, you know, give you that defensive stability, and he is a pretty good penalty killer. But, yeah, the defense does worry me, and I think that's why you've heard some rumors about the Canucks being interested in, you know, a free agent defenseman on a cheap one-year prove-it-to-me deal. And I also think Green does have some say with management, and I think you're hearing guys like Rick Dollywall reporting on the radio the last couple days how Green has been going to management saying, hey, we need at least one more veteran defenseman on this team for me to feel comfortable with the defensive core we're going to have heading into the season. But overall, yeah, I think the Canucks, at least in the forward position, they look good. I do think a guy, and I don't want to jinx it, but a guy like Nate Schmidt has been able to stay relatively healthy in his career. Uh, Alex Edler pretty much played a full season last year. I think he might have missed a handful of games, but he was relatively healthy. And I think if the Canucks can stay healthy, their blue line can stay healthy again. And who knows, maybe you get a more productive season out of Jordy Benton. You might not have to sign a veteran defenseman, but... It wouldn't hurt to have to add an extra de- depth defenseman either, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean the top four right now on the blue line. Uh, you got to think Edler, Myers, Schmidt, Hughes. That's that's a that's a good top four. That'll that'll hold its own in the NHL. After that, you are looking at especially on the left side a battle of some younger guys with Rathbone and Yolevi. I think that's Yolevi's spot personally. But then you're right. Like you're you're either with Jordy Ben. You're either looking. He can play the right side, but now you have two defensemen playing the right side on their on their offside with because Nate Schmidt's going to be doing that as well and I think that's more what Travis Green is looking at is like hey you know 
we we've got all these left D. Ben's going to be in the mix as well, but I think maybe he's looking more for a veteran right D to to get in on that side too. So I, I think it's Yolevi's spot on the three D. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I'm excited to see Rathbone, but I think uh, I think Yolevi has the inside track there. And yeah, you're right about Chatfield. It seems you know he's more of that kind of stable body uh, defenseman. I just don't know if this will be the year that we see more of him or not, but, you know, who knows, right? I mean, we're just kind of guessing and prognosticating it at this point. Um, forward core as well. I mean, we still got a lot, a lot of, you know, kind of vet-heavy contracts. The forward core is eerily similar to what we started last year with. Yeah, I think they're, you know, the one thing about the forward core that's kind of nice is you do have that veteran presence and that veteran leadership and you got guys like Zach McEwen. Um, who is the other guy? I want to say Darcy Horderchuk, and clearly it's not. But who is the other free agent that Canucks signed? Uh, I forget, oh, uh, Jace, Jace Howerlick? Jace Howerlick, that's it. Darcy Horderchuk. Yeah, Jace yeah, Howerlick. You're, you're way off. I was, I was. I Different don't even era. know if you're in the right decade there. No, I don't think so either. It's, that's that's why this is like our preseason episode, Doug. You can Darcy <laughs> Horderchuk, Darcy Rhoda, we'll, we'll get it right eventually. All the same. I knew his last name started with an H, though, all right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but Jace Howerluck, you got him, you got a guy like Zach McEwen, uh, and they're younger-ish guys as well. And so if a veteran guy, uh, whoever that's going to be, you assume Sutter's probably going to get injured at some point throughout the course of the season. Uh, you've got these young guys that can skate, that could step in and fill that role. Uh, you, you pray and hope that your top six stay healthy because i think if the top six can stay healthy for a full year they can match you know at least play with any top six in the canadian division uh you would assume the best top six is going to be toronto as far as like sure firepower and i i do think that it's inevitable that it's going to be an all canadian division um and outside of that i think the canucks probably have the second best top six in that all canadian division uh, it's their bottom six, their defensive play that I am a little bit worried about. And the other person we haven't really talked about is uh, the goal goaltending tandem in Demko and Holpe. I know Demko was lights out against Vegas in the playoffs there, but can he sustain that level of play heading into this year? Probably not. Yeah, I don't think any goalie can ma- maintain that level of play for a year. He was gassed after those three games. He was playing out of his mind. He's a good goalie, and Holtby is is a good goalie. And I, I think working with Ian Clark is they're both going to do quite well. I think I think my overall impression, and it kind of starts with goaltending, is they're going to be good, but are they going to be Markstrom good? Right? Like, do you take that little bit of a step back? I think the, there's one of the advanced stats out there I had Markstrom winning nine games for the Canucks, like just based on his play, he's, he stole nine games. Like, can they do that with, with this tandem that they have right now? I mean, it's, that's, that's a playoff spot right there. And especially if you're getting into a truncated season, like if, are your goalies going to win you five games on their own? So for me, that's something to watch. I feel pretty confident about it though. Um, overall, like I, 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 I hate that we're still talking top six, bottom six in the forwards. Um, uh, I do feel there's just a lot of kind of question marks. What is exciting going forward, though, is that we should see Pod Colson and Hoglander is going to be at camp as well. So that creates some interesting situations. And there's all this talk of a taxi squad, of having a 25-man roster. What does that mean for cap implications? Can you put guys like Erickson and Berchi into there and get some sort of cap relief as well? Or... 
I don't really want them to bring in anyone else right now. Like, I mean, I understand why they're looking at Hamannick. I've heard Eric Halla out there, which I, I don't really want to do either. I think there's enough kids. This is a good year to audition the kids. And uh, you get a lot more contracts off the books after this year. I think uh, I'd like to just see them roll with the kids and roll with the pieces they got instead of bringing more pieces in. Yeah, it's going to be interesting too. Like, are they just going to do a straight points thing? Or with these, like, divisions, are they going to have the top three teams from each division going to a play-in round? Or maybe two, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if, you can just you're just going to count the point totals like you would in a normal regular season or you say three teams from every division make it the top seeds get a bye and then the two bottom second and third do a play in i i don't know no i think it's i think it's the top four i think it's 16 teams go to the playoffs oh okay top top, four yeah duh yeah i think the top the top four go to go to the playoffs um so you still have your 16 so uh you'll have your seven canadian teams and and four of them will make the playoffs but then what happens after that is is kind of anyone's guess with the u.s border yeah i mean that's going to be key and it's going to be it's going to be different because you know a lot of these East and Western Canadian teams, they, you know, the Canucks have been used to playing, you know, and having these big rivalries with their Western teams, you know, Calgary, San Jose, LA. Um, and now you're going to be playing Montreal, you know, what, 10 times? And you will probably not 10, but, you know, close to seven times this year. You know, Toronto, Winnipeg, all these teams, it's going to, I think it's going to change things. I mean, hopefully, you know, um, most of the teams are going to get to beat down on Ottawa and get their easy two points there. But outside of that, it is going to be a different kind of animal, and there's going to be a a whole new rivalry kind of started up because of this, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, you're going to be, I think, nine games against each team, and you're probably going to have situations where you go into a building, like the Canucks will go into Edmonton, play two or three against Edmonton, go into Calgary, play two or three against them, and probably do that over a a short period, over like an eight-game period eight days period or nine day period or something. It's going to be a lot of that. So it's almost going to be like mini playoff series. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be a weird season. I hope that they can pull it off and I hope that they can get normalcy back for the 21-22 season, especially with Seattle coming in. And hopefully by then we can also get fans in the building. But I'm intrigued by the All-Canadian thing. It is going to be interesting seeing a rivalry between Vancouver and Montreal. And of course, everyone loves a good Vancouver-Toronto rivalry as well. Um, just quick predictions then. Let's uh, before we move on to a few other things here. Four teams, let's say, make uh, make the playoffs out of the Canadian division. Who are the four teams? Who are your four? It doesn't not necessarily in order, but who do you think comes out of it? Uh, I think Toronto is going to be one yep. of the teams. I, I I think Calgary, even though they're getting older, and I do think Calgary in the next two years, or if they don't make a real hard run for a Stanley Cup, I think they might have to blow it up. Giordano is, what, 37, I think, or like 36? Something he's, like that. Yeah, he's he's quite old right now. Um, but I do think Calgary, with the additions of uh, Tanev and Markstrom, I do think they can get there. Uh, I got the Canucks probably third, and then honestly, I, I think Montreal. I think a short season, you get Carey Price hot, and they got a they got some young firepower that are you know are going to be able to outskate the competition night in night out. Uh, Winnipeg is going to be interesting. I do think there's some issues in Winnipeg. I don't think they have the depth. They still don't have that solid number two center. Line A, as skilled and as you know great of a player as he is, he does not seem happy there. He he, he definitely at times doesn't put in the effort uh, game in game out. 
that's got to get tiring. Um, so they're a bit of a bubble team, in my opinion. And with Edmonton not addressing their goaltending, I, despite having, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid, I I don't see them making it. I really don't. I'm with you with three of those. I have Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver uh, as well. Uh, I wasn't sure about my fourth one. Um, I think Calgary, just some of their stars are slowing down and just don't quite have that same chemistry. I just wasn't that impressed with Calgary last year. So um, maybe, you know, they've they've added a lot of pieces and maybe Markstrom and Tanev, uh, they can get them over the hump. I don't think it's going to be them. Edmonton, if they'd address the goaltending situation, I would I would certainly choose Edmonton. Um, but I'm actually going to go with Winnipeg. I think they got the goaltending, they got the coaching, and they've got the forward depth. And I think they have an underrated blue line as well. So I think Winnipeg right now is the fourth team, but I bet you this will change on a, a weekly basis with uh, with who we think is going to be in there. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, Ottawa, we all make fun of, but I think Ottawa is going to be better than some people think. They've got they've had a lot of time off, and they're young, and uh, they got they got nothing to lose. So they're gonna. I think they're going to be a, a fun team to watch too out of this. So should be should be fun. Well, Ottawa also solidified their goaltending with Matt Murray. Now, we'll see. Matt Murray hasn't been great the last year and a half, two years. He was uh, usurped by uh, Tristan Jari, but still, Murray's a young goalie. He's won two Stanley Cups, and you know, having that uh, solid goaltending, I think, is great for Ottawa and that young core that they're trying to build there. And yeah, Ottawa... I make jokes that, you know, all the teams should be able to beat up on Ottawa, but I, I, I agree that, you know, they... They will be a hard team to play against just because they're young. They have nothing to lose and everything to prove. And they brought in Eric Goodbranson. So uh, serious upgrades on the blue line. Hometown kid. <laughs> Hometown kid, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, tournament that is coming up before that, though, and we touched a little bit on it earlier. One of my favorite tournaments, one of every hockey fan in Canada's favorite tournaments, uh, the World Juniors. And the Canucks this year, we had four prospects in it last year. I believe it was four last year. We have two in it this year. Uh, but I think they're two really intriguing prospects. Uh, I've been saying all year, as you know, that I think Pod Colson is going to dominate the juniors this year. I'm really excited to see Pod Colson. And then we've got Arvid Kostmar, who uh, kind of flies under the radar a bit. But from what I've seen, looks pretty good. And it's going to be fun to get to watch him. Hoglander is just slightly too old to, to make it this year, but we'll see him at Canucks training camp. Um, what do you think we're going to see out of Pod Colson and Kostmar? Uh, I mean, I believe Kostmar made Sweden's team last year as well. Uh, he's more of like a depth player. Like he's not going to wow you uh, like what Hoglander did last year for Sweden. But, you know, the fact that he's on the team, uh, I think is great. I he, he, I he could be a serviceable third or fourth line player in the NHL. Uh, he still has a long way to go, but it's always nice to see Canucks prospects at the world juniors. And then, yeah, pod Coles. And like you said, he has everything. He has the capability to dominate this tournament tournament. We'll see. I know most people think Russia and Canada are the two best teams heading into this tournament and they're on a crash course for the gold medal game. Uh, we'll see how everything breaks, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. As a Canadian, the last few years, I've I felt really unpatriotic because I'm always cheering for teams that have the Canucks prospects, and the Canadian team never seems to. I mean, the only the the last three significant Canuck players I can remember being on Team Canada would have been Cody Hodson, Bo Horvat, and Jake Vertanen. Uh, outside of that, I can't think of like any Canadian, like significant Canadian prospects making the team, uh, significant Canucks prospects making Team Canada. 
Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, I remember Luke Bordon back on that team as well. Jonah yeah. Gadjevich, but we drafted him, I believe, like, was it? Did we? Dra- I can't remember if we drafted Gadjevich before that or after that. Regardless, he hasn't done uh, a heck of a lot uh, to kind of work his way up the Canucks rankings. But, yeah, you're right. It's uh, It's been a lot of following Sweden and following Russia the last couple of years. Sweden, we always seem to follow. And Team USA as well. The U.S. have uh, had a lot of Canucks prospects uh, over the last few years. Probably probably the most, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And well, in Finland for a while there, too, when Yulevi was a prospect. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, the World Juniors, like you said, it's always... It, it reminds, I think, as a Canadian at least, it always reminds us of Christmas, um, and uh, yeah, so it, it just it's nice, it, like you said, just to have that little bit of normalcy back and to see the World Juniors again. I'm really looking forward to it. Stacked roster too, this team Canada, like their forward depth is crazy. I mean, they've got a great blue line too. You know, guys like Bowen Byram or at camp Jamie Drysdale. Um, again, there's always guys I don't really know a lot about, but just seeing those two, but the forward core, like there's just a whole bunch of names that jump out at me, like Quinton Byfield, Dylan Cousins, Kirby Dock, Peyton Krebs, uh, Connor McMichael, Alex Newhook, uh, Cole Perfetti, Jack Quinn, Ryan Suzuki. Like it's uh, it's a pretty solid list of players there. So I'm I'm pretty excited to to watch this course in hockey on Christmas Day, which uh, which will be nice. I know my brother's coming over; he's in my bubble, and we're just gonna watch some hockey and eat some food. So excited to see what we get out of Pods and Cosmar at this year's tournament. I'm um, going back to the the big club. Um, one thing we didn't touch on before was Travis Green, and I mean, I personally I think we're gonna see a Green extension. Uh, but what do you think? Do you think it's just a matter of time before Green signs, or do you think there's actually a risk that he doesn't get re-signed at the end of the year? I mean, unless the Canucks have an absolutely abysmal season, I can't see him not re-signing. I think one of the big issues is just uh, the, you know the Canucks are trying to stay, they're trying to keep their cash flow positive right now, uh, given the fact that they're not going to be able to have fans and. Uh, attendance so I think it's just really hard to kind of sign that money up to a guy like Travis Green um, but I think he is their coach for the foreseeable future uh, but yeah I understand why it is a topic at the moment do you think Michael Furland plays another game in the NHL I don't think Michael Furland plays another game for the Canucks. He might end up playing another game in the NHL at some point, but uh, I don't think he'll play for the Canucks. No, I know. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I remember listening to the radio and I think it was Dollywall reporting uh, that his agent had made a comment to Dollywall that he had talked to Furlan and said that they can't keep doing this, that they can't keep having this happen. Like Furlan's got to start thinking about his health, uh, and his long-term future uh, outside of hockey. Um, so we'll see. Again, you know, I would love nothing more than Furland to be healthy and to be a contributing member to this team, but he hasn't been able to play a full game, or at least uh, two games, we'll say, in almost, what, two years? It's been a while. He's got three years left. He's 28 years old. So, I mean, I think it's going to be very hard for him to, if he doesn't play in Vancouver uh, much over the next three years, I don't think he will play anywhere else after that. He'd be 31 with concussion history. Um, I think it's pretty much a given that he doesn't play this year, which gives the Canucks three and a half million of needed cap relief. Um, but I, I, I'd be personally, I'd be surprised and I don't think he should play again. So I think he may be just one of those guys you see uh, on the LTIR when you'd go on to cap friendly and 
kind of forget about him a little bit, but I just I don't think it's a smart move for him to come back. He's tried too many times, and it's just it's not a it's not a smart look, and it's not a, a good look for the team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, y- you look at what he's been going through and how the Canucks keep trying to give him a shot, and then a guy like Berchi who was able to put together a full season in Utica, and for whatever reason, you know, the Canucks, I know he opted out of the play-in, but for whatever reason, you know, the Canucks don't seem to see a future in a guy like Berchi playing on this team. Uh, it is strange how they keep giving Furland a second chance, but a guy like Berchi, who, like I you know, just said, has had a healthy season in Utica, can't get in the lineup. And Berchi also 28. Of course, we all know it's the last year of his deal, but yeah, he put a, he was a point-of-game player in, in Utica, and I'd like to see him have a strong camp and maybe make a play to try and get back into this lineup. He's kind of, again, one of these forgotten pieces. And because of that, he becomes part of this cap dead weight issue that we have for this year. And then we have partially for the next year as well before we're finally freed of a lot of the deals that I know a lot of us fans don't like. I'm really curious to see what they uh, they do do with the rosters and how they make it work with this proposed taxi squad because it is something that you have to consider you're already seeing echl teams like i know the canucks affiliate kalamazoo they're not playing this year um ahl teams that have canadian uh or sorry that they're in the states but have canadian nhl teams there's all sorts of problems there i know vancouver calgary um there's a couple of teams i think edmonton might be in there as well uh they're all in that same boat and what do you what do you do with that? So you have to carry extra players. Like what you have to carry extra goalie. I think you're going to have to have a three goalie roster. I think that's kind of a given because what do you do if you, you you're like oh well we got to call a guy up from Utica but he's got a quarantine for two weeks he can't operate like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they construct the roster. Do you think uh, January thirteenth? Do you think that's realistic? I think so. I think uh, with the NBA starting up, I believe Christmas Day. Uh, no, you 20, gotta, it starts starts on the 22nd. Starts on 22nd, Tuesday. okay. There yeah. you go. Uh, you got to assume that the NHL has got to get their ducks in a row and get a season, you know, a, a hard definitive guideline on what their season's going to look like and how many games it's going to be and get the division set and uh, a schedule as well. I mean, that schedule has got to be uh, something to they're going to have to figure out and uh, come up with because I think it's going to be kind of challenging for whoever the schedule maker is. But I do think January 13th is a logical and a reasonable date for the NHL to start having games again. Yeah, they got to start making some announcements soon, though. That's less than a month away, and you know, you're going to need training camps. You have some teams that haven't played since March. So they got to they gotta really get the ball rolling with that, I think. And hopefully we hear something soon and before the World Juniors to really kind of get the hockey momentum going because the juniors could be going and NHL training camps starting at the same time. All of a sudden, in early January, we could be looking at a lot of hockey and a lot of stuff happening because you're gonna you're gonna see another blitz on free agency as well you're gonna see a lot of these guys you look at the list of free agents and, and i mean i know it's it's tight with the cap but you can't think that some of these guys like michael granlin and mike hoffman and sammy vatten and uh, are not going to get signed by someone on a bargain deal for for the year yeah i think right now teams are just trying to figure out you know how the structure and what the taxi squads are going to look like as well uh and to figure out how much cap space they're going to actually have and how many players they're going to be allowed to to roster uh heading into the season before they start doling out more contracts i think it's going to be a challenging year uh 
But, you know, let's hope uh, everyone stays safe and uh, we can get uh, another season under duress, uh, another season complete under these trying times. Let's talk uh, a little bit about some of the soap operas that have been circling this team for the last couple of weeks, because I got to admit, I just I didn't I didn't want to open Twitter. I didn't want to read articles like things were just getting silly. I mean, our fan base is crazy at, at the best of times and right now there's just it's wow it's just been a whole lot of one thing after another and a lot of people aren't helping the cause as well by doing dumb things like like one anthem singer mark donnelly did um what what do you think about the whole mark donnelly thing yeah i mean i've look his shtick when it first came out it was like oh that's kind of cool but he started i feel like like, he just always struck me. I've never met the guy, so, like, I'm only speaking from, you know, my opinion and hearsay. But he just strikes me as a guy that's, like, kind of got a big big ego. And he's also a guy that also never says no to a check. Like, clearly, anyone who's willing to, to give him, you know, some money to sing the anthem, he'll go out and sing. I find it ironic that you remember when we were doing the, was it 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. cheer for yeah. all the uh, first responders? And uh, the healthcare workers, Mark Donnelly sung Old Canada on the seawall just in between kind of Olympic Village and Granville Island, you know, supporting all the healthcare workers and stuff like that. And then, because I'm guessing someone offered him a check, he decides to go sing at an anti-mask rally. Now, you know what? That's his choice, whatever. He was slowly getting phased out from the Canucks. He was only doing about five or six anthems a year uh, at the moment anyways. Uh and yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I find the guy to be a little bit cheesy and uh, I'm kind of glad to see him gone. I, I'm I'm glad too. I mean, that whole thing when he was skating and singing the anthem, it's like, what's that all about? But the guy did speech at the, at this anti-mask thing too. Like he's he's a full anti-masker. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, I don't even know if he got paid. I have no idea, but he was, I, I, I mean, I love the way Aquilini handled that, though. That just cracked me up um, in a in a market that doesn't really see stuff like that, uh, uh, getting fired over Twitter like that. And Marie Hui is uh, is a much better look for the team anyways. Uh, I feel more representative of Vancouver, and uh, she's a better singer, too. She does Whitecaps games. I just, I'm with you about the shtick. It was kind of neat, the whole singing along during the playoffs thing, but it, it kind of got over that uh, after a while. And, and you, know, you know, we've been to many games there where it, it, it's nobody's singing all together. It becomes a bit of a, a garble, right, because you're, you're in this chamber, and so, like, everyone's kind of off, and it doesn't, when you're in the arena, it doesn't always translate as well. So I'm all for a bit of a, a changing of the guard. Yeah, the one other thing, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the other thing that was brought up, I believe Rob, the hockey guy, uh, great follow. You should definitely follow him. He uh, put up an article just saying how Donnelly was slowly getting phased out. And the other thing that Donnelly did, and I didn't really notice or uh, know this, is that when Canada changed the song, instead of it uh, being when all our sons command, uh, they change it to in all of us command. Donnelly never changed. He kept singing it in all of our sons command. Hmm. So it just goes to kind of show you, you know, his, his stubbornness and political views. And it's just like, yeah, it's just good riddance, man. You said it best, Pete. You said, you know, don't let the door kick you on the way out. 
time to move on. You do something like that in this city. It's just like, all right, you know, I, I think a lot of fans are were kind of over the shtick anyways. So not enough is enough of that. A um, couple other things that we got to touch on here. Um, and really, they, a few, they all kind of tie together here. But let's start with the retro jersey. Um, I believe we talked, I can't remember, but I believe we talked about this a little bit before. Um, I can't remember if we recorded it or we just talked about it. But personally, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed with the retro jersey. I, I feel like it's just, it, there, there's so many things that the Canucks could have done with a retro jersey. And they could have taken more of a chance. But in the end of the day kind of looks the same you know it's just kind of yeah okay the gradient they brought back but I didn't like the red and blue gradient when they did that but it's kind of the same I would have loved to see something with the V or the Johnny Canuck or just something that looks different I like that there's a lot of green but after that like it's just like eh, it's not it's not one that I would buy I don't think uh, well I know I, I wouldn't buy it what, what do you think yeah, like it's definitely not my favorite jersey of all the retro jerseys uh, that were released. Yeah, I mean the Canucks don't have the greatest of, uh, um, they don't have the greatest of jerseys in their past. I like, look, I love the skate. I grew up with the skate, but you know, at the time, a lot of people didn't even know it was a skate, right? They thought it was like a, a plate of spaghetti. Um, now it's really retro and nostalgic and you know we look fondly we look back fondly on it Uh, I do like the blue and the green and I would like to see the Canucks incorporate more green into their jerseys as a whole because I do think it really represents the Pacific Northwest um, the green and the blue Uh, so for me that is something I would definitely like yeah, it was a it was a miss. I I don't hate it as much as some people did. I know some people were like, "Oh, this is awful." Uh, I didn't feel that. It was just middle of the row. It was very uninspired, in my opinion. Like you said, and they could have done so much more. Uh, I think the problem is, and I've always liked the Johnny Canuck logo, but how many logos can one team have? Right? You've got the the stick and rink. You got the flying V crest. You got the skate. You got the Orca. I don't know if you start putting a Johnny Canuck logo on the front of the jersey. I know they've had it on the shoulders uh, before. But then it's just like now you're adding, what, a fifth logo to the team in their history. I don't know about that as much as I do love the Johnny Canuck logo. Yeah, that's fair. I I mean, I just think that there's just lots of different things you could have done. And if you're treating this as more of a gimmick jersey, in a way, uh, this retro jersey, I would have liked to see something you know even like you know just do something wild like take the old v jersey but do it in blue and greens you know like just do something really just kind of different that you look at and you know as much as like anaheim's looks pretty ridiculous and phoenix's uh or arizona's i mean looks you know kind of ridiculous at least they went for it and i would have rather the canucks just kind of went for it did something really weird like a v jersey and uh instead of kind of doing the, the the gradient one and and with the the Orca logo and the Orca logo as well, that's that's been in the news again. And the, along with uh, with the last thing we got to talk about, these two kind of go together is the Canucks Orca logo and the Braden Holtby helmet saga. Um, so, Doug, do you want to start with kind of thoughts on everything that's flying around with those? Yeah, I mean, I. One thing I really hate is I think when people ask questions or just, you know, simply want answers, they feel like their people are trying to cancel somebody or, you know, it's outrage. I don't think trying to have 
a discussion is outrage. So often, someone says one thing about something, Braden Holpe, I'm sure everybody knows, uh, put his mask up, his Canucks mask up on uh, Instagram, I believe it was, and it depicted, I believe, uh, a Thunderbird in a Native, uh, Native Canadian First Nation style Thunderbird. And it was really cool. Uh, I know a lot of people liked it. Then it came out that the artist was Swedish. So there was talk about, is this cultural appropriation? Should uh, First Nations artists have done the artwork? Should they have at least been consulted on the artwork that the Swedish artist did? Uh, and they're all legitimate questions. Um, and, you know, I know there's a lot of people who, you know, are First Nations that say they don't have a problem with it. But there are people that do have a problem with it and do feel like, you know, it is cultural appropriation. And obviously that now morphed into the Canucks logo. And, you know, that's becoming a, a topic. And I've never loved the Orca logo to begin with personally because I've always felt like it was Orca Bay. Had nothing to do with... I know the killer whale is a Pacific Northwest thing um, creature and... You know, it represents the Pacific Northwest really, really well. But that logo to me has always been the Orca Bay logo, the John McCaw years, which were the dark years with Mark Messier, Mike Keenan, uh, you know, arguably the darkest time in Canucks history. So that's why I've never fully embraced the logo. I've seen some mock-ups of First Nations artists of uh, redo of the Orca logo, and I think they look amazing. And if we did move to that type of logo, I would love it. Um, but it's one of those topics where whose opinion matters on the subject and whose opinion doesn't, right? If you have a group of First Nations who say that they're totally fine with the logo and it's okay and it has their blessing, and then you have another group that say, no, they're not okay with it. Well, where do we draw the line? Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, it's really not our place at all to say what is cultural appropriation. I have... um. I do have a few thoughts about this because I actually have a First Nations tattoo of an orca on my leg. It's a, it's a Haida drawing. I grew up in in a house in Vancouver Island. My, neither one of my parents is from here. My mom is from New York and my dad is from England. And when they moved to Victoria, they really took an incredible liking to the, the First Nations and Inuit artwork. So our house was just like kind of full of that stuff. So I grew up looking at that stuff, I used to draw them when I was a kid as well. I would draw, like, I'd copy First Nations art. And it just kind of got me thinking is, like, where is the line of, like, where is it with with cultural appropriation and where is it as just, like, a fondness for it and appreciation for it? Because I don't feel that my tattoo is, is cultural appropriation because of the reasons why I got it, because it, I consider it a symbol of the West Coast. I consider it a symbol of where I'm from. I have a lot of respect for the First Nations people here. Uh, it's it's uh, it's just a part of where we live. And I, I did it as, as a sign of respect uh, for where I, I come from. But it was not done by uh, First Nations. The, the piece of art was, but the tattoo itself was done by uh, a white guy. And like, is that cultural appropriation? Because um, what what Gunnarsson really did is he kind of, to me, it looks like he copied someone else's artwork and put it onto the, onto the mask, which is kind of like what happened with my leg and with the tattoo. And so it happens like goalie masks use all sorts of stuff. Like you think of cartoon characters, you think of other athletes, you think of things like they put all sorts of stuff on there. Two goalies last year, you had uh Curtis McElhaney and, uh, 
the Russian uh, guy in New York, uh, Georgiev, they had prominent black athletes put onto their masks and they were done by white artists. I actually researched who did these these pieces. Is that cultural appropriation? Like again, they're doing it out of respect for for the the BLM movement, for just for for everything that that's going on in in the cities that they're in. And like is that cultural appropriation? Like I don't know, like for me there is I understand and I'm not the person to to define what it is. I fully believe that Braden Holtby did it with with good intentions in his heart. He's a good guy. He's a Western Canadian boy. And he thought, hey, we're going to the West Coast. This artwork is awesome. I want to get this and incorporate this into my mask. And it, it just it created uh, it created all the situations. So I don't know what the answer is, but I just uh, I, you know, I just I, I think about it a lot. Like I'm the, is what is cultural appropriation? Where is the line of respect? And it's not my place to say, um, but, you know, it's there's a lot of different w- reasons why these things come across. I think, you know, using something like the, the Chicago Blackhawks logo, uh, you know, that's that's much different from something like this. And Braden Holtby as well. He's not personally benefiting from this. Uh, maybe his the Holtby brand is, but he's not making more money off of it. And the Canucks aren't making more money off of it. Um, goalie masks have always been a really interesting part of hockey in the sense that uh they can kind of just do whatever they want onto it so uh i i see both sides um i uh i just kind of wish the whole thing had been handled better by the fans and the media and let the people who should do the talking do the talking yeah look we are seeing a shift especially when it comes to first nations culture and art and you look at obviously the washington football club this year you know, finally changed their name. And that to me was like, like, like outright racist. Like it was long overdue. Like, yes, 30, 40 years overdue. The Cleveland baseball team has said they're changing their name heading into next season. Yeah. Who it was funny. We were talking about the, the retro jerseys and the photo of the Chicago Blackhawks Jersey. They didn't actually show the front of the Jersey. There was like the main photos that were being shown. And, uh, the model wearing the jersey actually had the back, their back, okay. so you couldn't actually see the crest. So there is a shift, and I do know, you know, with First Nations, and, you know, I'm a quarter First Nations. My grandmother, uh, you know, was half First Nations. Um, and so I, I, I realize that there is a culture and there is an art, and that art has a story to tell and dir- different uh, the art also represents like a depiction of, like you said, uh, an orca or, uh, let's say an eagle, the way that art was drawn or carved is different depending on where you come from. And so there's certain little intricacies of that design that can tell you that this person is from the West coast. That person is from the East coast. This person is from down South. Mm -hmm. So I understand that aspect of it, but you bring up a really good point, Pete. And I do think, you know, intention is important. And I think when you're trying to showcase something to other people and you want to broaden the horizon, you're a man who's traveled to six of the seven continents, you know, and you've got this, art piece on your leg as a representation of where you come from and 
I'm sure you've had people stop you that have never seen that, you know, art style before and say, hey, what is that? And, you know, you obviously are representing the culture and, you know, telling the story of what it is and what it means and where you come from. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I personally... But I don't really have a say, like, you know what I mean? And you bring up a good point. Like, I can't really say what is, you know, even though I, you know, I do have, you know, some First Nations blood in me, I, I, you know, it's not like it's my everyday life, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, you know, yeah, like it's not a part of my everyday life and like the story and the history and stuff like that. And so I, I, I don't have a voice and I can understand. That's why I said it's really tough to know if someone, I believe it was uh, Aquilini tweeted something out that I, I believe it was one of the Salish chiefs gave his blessing about the orca. But if somebody else doesn't feel like, you know, that that orca is appropriate and that uh, First Nations artists should design the orca, then... You know, where do we draw the line on whose opinion matters on this topic and whose doesn't? Yeah, for sure. And I, a couple more just things I wanted to mention. Um, when I got my tattoo, uh, the guy said, I'm not changing anything. Like, if this is the piece you're getting, this is the piece you're getting. We can't modify it. We can't do anything. I said, yeah, that's perfect. This is the piece I want. Uh, he's like, we can't change anything. Once we start it, we have to finish it. I'm like, done. Like, not a problem. And I have had people either... I've had I've had a lot of things. I have had First Nations people mention my tattoo and and like it. I've had various people traveling, being like, "What is that?" and telling me, "You know, that's art from where I'm from." One of my funnier ones was when I was in traveling in Central Asia uh, four years ago when I was in Uzbekistan, and uh, like you don't see a lot of tourists there. And I was staying at this hotel, and this lady's like, "Are you from the Pacific Northwest?" And as you could tell right away, I'm like, "Oh, she must be from Seattle or someone." Sure enough, she's from Seattle, but she saw the tattoo and she identified with that. And she's like, "Oh, that's that's my home. That's where I'm from as well." So, um, you know, I again, I I have it purely out of respect and as a sign of where I'm from. The, it's a double meaning as well with the orca. I've always, uh, uh, again, growing up on the island, the orca was just an island, uh, an animal that's. I just, you know, it's amazing. I'm still infatuated with them. So, uh, I mean, we could go on and on about this, but I, I just want to say, I think the, the intent by Holtby was, was clearly meant to be good. And anyone who's trying to throw him under the bus really needs to, I think, give their head a shake. Yeah. I mean, I will say this. I do feel like some, I don't think a lot of people were trying to throw him under the bus. I do think there was a lot of people that were saying, that, you know, they realize and they think that his intent was good, but they should have at least consulted another First Nations artist on the the drawing that Gunnarsson did. Um, I didn't see anyone really trying to, like, you know, freak out. And I know there was talk because Holtby's wife deleted Twitter, so there was talk that fans were harassing her. I think, honestly, and a lot of people have said they think it was just a coincidence that she shut her Twitter down. For whatever reason, it's Christmas. Twitter can be the most toxic and fucked up place day in and day out. I try not to go on there every day, and I find myself more engaging in movie and music talk than actual Canucks talk um, because I find it more rewarding to talk about movies and share music with people than it is to argue about who should be in the Canucks starting lineup or how inept the management is. Um, So maybe she just decided to shut it down because the holidays are here her and her husband have moved back to Canada and they're trying to set up their life and their family. And, you know, she's obviously, you know, a mother and a wife and she's going to have her husband 
you know, being can only stay in Canada and they're getting themselves sorted here as far as, you know, not being able to cross the border into the U.S. and stuff like that. So there's a lot that goes into it. I didn't see anybody, at least I didn't, I'm not saying there wasn't because I'm sure there was. It is Canucks Twitter after all. I didn't see anybody being overly disrespectful. I think they were just asking a question. And then, you know, this fake outrage, just because you question something is so nauseating to me. It's just like, why can't we have a civil, intelligent conversation about a topic instead of turning it into, you know, a war? It just, it just, or canceling. You're trying to cancel him. You know, he's been here for a minute and you're already trying to cancel. It's like, no, they're just bringing up a topic, whoever it was. It's it just, it's ridiculous, man. Yeah, and I agree. And that's what we try and do here. We try and have a civil, intelligent conversation. So why don't we wrap it up with that? Because it is something we could go on and on and on about. Um, but I, I hope we got our point across uh, as best we can. And for now, let's take it into the free pour. I'll say this. We definitely have a civil conversation. I don't know how intelligent it is. <laughs> It's that time of the episode, the free pour open floor segment. And before I jump into mine, I think, Pete, since we haven't done an episode in so long, we should also pour ourselves a whiskey. Yeah, break back the tradition. We used to do this more and more, and then we uh, didn't always feel like drinking a whiskey on a school night. But I agreed. I think with season upon us and uh, with first episode back, let's let's crack a whiskey here. What do you, what do do you got over there? Uh, I'm actually drinking a bourbon, uh, Elijah Craig. Uh, I picked this bottle up the other day. It's a it's a great uh, Kentucky small batch bourbon. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I've had that before. Actually, it's good. I've got uh, I've got a Speyside blended malt Scotch whiskey, a Scallywag, which uh, I actually picked up over in your neck of the woods at uh, uh, what you might call it, the, the fancy place legacy, there. legacy, legacy. Yeah. That's one. But yeah, a guy, rec- a guy recommended it there, an Irish fellow working there, and he was right. It's damn tasty. So I'm going to just pour myself a wee dram of this. All right. Well, I'll jump into my free pour segment. Well, and... first of all, cheers. Oh, first yes. Cheers. Cheers, Pete. Happy Festivus. Happy Festivus. And I wanted to talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo re-signing a five-year deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. And how happy I am for the Milwaukee Bucks and for small market teams, especially in the NBA, having their superstars stay. The NBA, more so than any other major sports league in North America, has their star players leave all the time. You see all these teams, all these players forming super teams, and it really puts a lot of the small market teams behind the eight ball. And I have huge respect for Giannis and what he did signing this five-year deal. I also have two really good friends who don't listen to the podcast, but I'm still going to shout you out, Nate and Kevin, who are both from Milwaukee. Big Bucks fans, big Green Bay Packer fans. And I, I, you know, I know they're thrilled that Giannis re-signed with them. So yeah, I wanted to give a cheers to Giannis re-signing with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, yeah, congratulations, Milwaukee Buck fans. Someone paid me $228 million to play for the Bucks. I would do it as well. Um, I just wanted to talk about a show I'm watching right now. I'm sure we've all got lots of shows on the go. Um, I've actually got a few, which is rare for me. But I wanted to give a shout-out to Ted Lasso on uh, Apple TV. So I, I got a new Apple TV box. I got the free year of Apple with it. And I got to tell you, it was worth it just for this show. This show, if you haven't watched it, 
Highly recommend it. If you're a sports fan, especially if you're a football fan of either North American or European, fantastic. I mean, this the main character in it is just brilliant, just a likable, funny guy. All the hip-hop and kind of classic references from when we grew up, there's a lot of little stuff in there that just pick up on. Uh, really good casting. Uh, I'm only a few episodes in, but I'm really digging it, and it's really satiating a lot of the, the sports love in me. So highly recommend that. If you're looking for something good to watch and you have Apple TV, give her a go. Thanks for tuning in, folks. That's episode... 56, I think we said that was episode 56. This is like again, this is like our uh, our preseason here. We're working out the kinks, so uh, I'm sure we, we screwed up a lot of things in there. But uh, you know, we got through it, and it's good to get back rolling again and get the the mics out again, Doug. Yeah, it's been too long. Uh, it was pretty hard to come up with topics or ideas for the last month and a half to talk about. Um, but now seems like the right time to drop an episode. Like you said, glad to be back probably wasn't our smoothest episode you know it was almost like jake vertanen at training camp type of episode <laughs> but hey you know what we're gonna get them out with regularity here and uh you know start as we especially as we get closer to uh the nhl season starting back up i'm really looking forward to it me too and yeah we will get more of a groove going and i think we can all expect more actual news to start coming down the lines uh very least we'll have the juniors coming up as well and think we could we could probably spend a whole episode talking about Pod Colson and Cosmar Pod Colson especially so there will be things happening it's going to be a, a pretty fun couple weeks here once uh, the juniors rolls around and it's going to start getting real busy I think so yeah let's get the, get the show back on the road yeah I'm looking forward to it like I said uh, I really want to see what Nate Schmidt brings to the Canucks I'd like to, love to see you levy every game you know in in the Canucks uniform for every game and uh, see where or and how Demko is going to play uh, now that he's essentially, theoretically, the number one goalie. And I think we're going to see some surprises in the opening night roster. I think uh, whatever we all expect it's going to be, I think there's going to be a couple of surprises in there. So I look forward to seeing that as well. Sounds like you're pegging Jack Rathbone to be uh, on the team opening night. Calling it now, Pete. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I think Rathbone will be with the team, but I don't think he'll be in the starting lineup. I just uh, I can't see them starting Rathbone and Yolevi. Uh, in the first game, I think there may be a rotation there. I, I think Yolevi will be in the in the lineup, though. But I think of the forwards in particular. I think there could be some sneakiness. And yeah, you mentioned Jalen Chatfield earlier. He's another guy who could sneak into the the bottom D as well. But really curious to see what does Hoglander do as well. Um, you know, uh, there's what you mentioned Cole Lind earlier. He's another guy. Uh, Mark Michaelis, another guy uh, who I think he's been playing over in Europe. He's another guy to keep an eye on. So yeah, you never know. Uh, you can give us a follow, uh, the Canucks Speakeasy on on Twitter. It's at Canucks Speak. Give me a follow at Doug Venn. And I'm at Pete underscore gas. And if you're looking for some funky beats, check out our outro playlist on Spotify, Canucks Speakeasy outro playlist. As always, thanks for listening. Hasta luego.